No, it is. There it is. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 12. Um, I'm excited about the message tonight. Uh, a couple weeks ago, pastor was like, hey, I'm leaving. Um, I'm going to have you preach Sunday night. And the, the hardest part about preaching is figuring out what God wants you to preach. But um, uh, a few days went by since he asked me, and I was listening to a message. And the guy went, was talking about this passage, and it was like God said, hey, I want you to preach that. So I'm excited about the message tonight, but I'm going to warn you right now, it's very different than any message I've ever preached. I've never done anything like this. There's no point. So <laughs> it could be five minutes. It could be 50 minutes. Okay? I really don't know. Okay, you guys are looking at me like, oh, no. I'm sorry. I, I, really, I, I really have no idea how, how, how long this message is going to be tonight, but I pray that you'd follow along, pay attention. I think God can use it in our hearts tonight. So let's go to Philippians 2, chapter 12. This is what it says. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray you'd help me as I'm preaching tonight. I pray that you'd help me to say exactly what you would have me to say. And Lord, I pray you'd use me tonight. Lord, I pray you'd help us to have a, a time tonight of self-reflection and looking about at what in our lives needs to change. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. I'm going to be honest, this message... <laughs> When I started it, I did not want to preach this tonight, and here's why. It's too convicting to me. Uh, so this message, if it's for anyone tonight, it is for me. Okay, and uh, this, this, this passage is packed, but uh, God really convicted me on my, my attitude and my spirit. So we're, we're, what we're going to do tonight is we are going to go through this passage, and we're just going to phrase by phrase. Okay, so in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it starts with this. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. Does anybody know who's, who's writing this? Anybody at all? Paul is. Okay, and does that, here's a little bit harder. Who is he writing to? Anybody know? Brother Randy said it. Who is it? Yeah, the church of Philippi, okay? And, and he is writing to the church of Philippi. I'm going to ask another question. I'm a youth pastor. I, all I do is ask questions. I let the teens preach as I stand there and ask questions. Where is he writing it from? Anybody know? He's in prison. He's in prison. He's writing to the church of Philippi. Was he loved at the church of Philippi? Anybody know? Yes or no? Absolutely. 
they loved him to death. And actually, this, this, this first phrase kind of shows it in the, in the verse phrase. He said, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but also in my absence. He's telling them here, listen, listen, as, what you're supposed to do is you are supposed to follow Christ. You are supposed to serve Christ. You are supposed to serve in the church. You are supposed to do what you're supposed to do, not just when I'm there, but also when I'm gone. Actually, much more when I'm gone. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for Christ. And hey, as I'm gone, you need to be serving. Okay? I'm in, I'm in jail. And you know what? You need to still be serving at the church. You still need to be living a Christ-like life. Anybody ever work with someone who never works until the boss shows up? I work with someone like that. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I promise. He's great. I told him he always picks on me when he preaches. So it's a little payback time tonight. Noah, you know, you, I, I used to work at Hobby Lobby. And I had these two guys. It was our job to put furniture together. And... Uh, you know, we'd put, I'd be putting furniture together. Emphasis on I would be putting furniture together. These guys would be standing there, phones out, chilling. And every time, like, they'd be like, I'd be like, hey, guys, we need this. And they'd be like, oh, okay, why don't you go get it? Okay, I walk away. I'm going to get something. Well, as I'm gone, the boss comes by, and they see the boss, so they start working. And the boss, Wow gotten a lot done good job you did all that furniture you guys are great and and they'd be like yeah and I, they're like yeah Blake like went off to the bathroom like 30 minutes ago and I come back they tell me this and they're laughing and I'm like it's not funny I did all the work and here Paul is saying listen don't be one of those guys who at work are just like hey the boss is here now it's time to look busy Okay, no, he says, listen, in your life, you don't serve Christ, you don't do things, you don't live a Christ-like life. When other people are watching, you do it because it's what you're supposed to do. Okay, and he says, in much more when people aren't watching. In private, do it, serve Christ. Okay, so let's go to the next next phrase okay it says wherefore my beloved brethren as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence then it says this work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so clearly here okay clearly in this passage it's teaching us in a work a work-based salvation it's teaching us that we have to work our way to get to heaven Okay, I'm, you guys should be like calling pastor at this point, <laughs> saying we need to fire this guy. No idea what he's talking about. I probably have no idea what I'm talking about. That's fair. Okay, but in this, that's not what it's saying here. Okay, clearly this passage does not mean, hey, work your way to heaven, work your way for your own salvation. How do we know it's clearly he's not talking about that? One, okay, we know as Christians Okay, that the Bible does not contradict itself. Okay, 
So the moment you read this and you say, huh, that says I have to work my way to my salvation, a red flag should go up in your head and be like, hmm, I don't know that that's what that means. Okay, because in the Bible, it is so clear that it's not by works. I mean, let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, we all know this verse, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says this. Because for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Pretty clear, right? Do we believe in a work-based salvation? Does the Bible teach a work-based salvation? No. Titus 3, 5 and 7 says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So clearly here, as we look at this, it's not saying, hey, you have to work your way to heaven, you have to work your way to salvation. That's not what the Bible teaches. So what is it saying here? Well, the next, the next thing we should do, if we don't understand the passage, and the reason you say, why are you going so much into this? The reason is because so many people take that verse and say, hey, you have to work your way to heaven. Um, I just met with someone about a year ago, and we had a long meeting. And, 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 and we talked about how, you know what, you know, we, we get to heaven by faith, by Christ's love, by us putting our trust in him. And he's like, yeah, and works. And he kept coming back to this verse. And I tried to explain, dude, that's not what it's saying. He said, well, hey, it says work out your own salvation. Well, if that's not what it's saying here, how do we understand it? Let's look at the context. So Paul is writing this to who? Yeah, to the Church of Philippi. The Church of Philippi, they are saved people, right? I mean, some of them might not be. Okay, but he is writing to saved people. And if we look at the context of this, in Philippians, or Philippians chapter 2, this whole, this whole passage, this whole chapter is talking, Paul is writing to the Church of Philippi, telling them pretty much a pattern of Christian living. The way they should live as Christians, okay, and Paul is giving them this pattern. So uh, everybody go to Philippians 2.5, just a little back. Okay, it says this in Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does it mean when it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus? Does that mean we are supposed to imitate what Christ does? No, not exactly. We are supposed to f see him as an example, and we are supposed to follow that example, right? Not exactly. Here, when it, it literally means let his mind be in you, it's literal. It, Christ's mind should literally be in us. How is it in us? Anybody have the answer for that? The Holy Spirit. When, when, when Paul says here, you know what, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, he's saying, listen, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in you, 
And what happens when the Holy Spirit indwells in you, okay, and what should happen at least, is that the Holy Spirit takes over and our actions become like Christ. Anybody know the verse, be not, be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why does it make that comparison there? Because when someone is drunk, they are controlled by the alcohol. They, they, they cannot control themselves. They yell. They make jokes that aren't fun. They laugh at everything. They are being controlled by the alcohol. In that comparison, it says, you know what? But what is supposed to be in you instead is the Holy Spirit. It is supposed to control you. It is supposed to take your actions. And, and here it says, let the mind of Christ be in you. It is supposed to be in us. And when it is in us, it's supposed to work its way out of us. And that's when we get back to that passage. And we, in verse 12, okay, he says, hey, keep working even when I'm not there. And then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So what does that mean? What that means is that Christ is literally working his way out of us. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us, and Christ is supposed to be seen in us through our works, through our actions, through our attitude. He is supposed to work his way out of us. Our salvation should be seen. As Christians, it works its way out of us. Okay, and let's go to the next one. Next, next phrase. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That one's, that one's a loaded phrase. Um, and you could probably preach a whole message on that, and I'm going to try not to tonight. But you know, there are problems in life. Anybody disagree with that? No, there are problems in life. 100%. I mean, think about who's writing this. Where is he sitting? Anybody know? We already talked about this, so. Prison. He's sitting in prison. He knows what it's like to have problems in life. He knows what it's like to, you know, everything not go exactly how he wants it to. He's sitting in a jail cell. But he writes this phrase, it is, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What he realizes here is this. He says, listen, it is Christ, you know what? I may have problems in my life, but Christ can use that for his good pleasure, for his glory. And as Christians, when we have problems, so oftentimes we, 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 have pro we, we complain, we get angry, we hate our problems. But what we have to stop and realize is this, Christ is in control. He knows you have problems, and he wants to use those problems for his good pleasure, for his glory. A um, uh, couple weeks ago marked five years since my grandma passed away. Um, in, um, in May, 
May five years ago, uh, she was having really, really bad headaches. And we weren't sure what was going on. And so <laughs> my grandpa said, okay, you know what? We need to take you into the doctor. They took her to the doctor. The doctor was like, ah, I don't know what's going on. And they got a brain scan, and there was a tumor. And it was about the size of a golf ball. And the doctor said, there's nothing you can do. She's not going to live. They said, you know, if, if, if you guys would have come in two years ago, we probably could have saved her life. But it's too late. Well, obviously, my grandpa was brokenhearted. Our family was brokenhearted, and, and it was a hard time. And I remember my grandma was in the hospital, and they, they told them, you know, there's nothing we can do. We can try. We can prolong her life for about six to eight months, but she will be very, very, very miserable. And my parents, they came home, and they told us kids, and I mean, I was like, what, 20 years old? They told us kids, hey, we decided that we're just going to let grandma go. I stood up and I said, no, you're not. You can't do that. You're not going to work. We're not going to try. And my parents said, you know, grandma and grandpa have talked, and they decided this is what they want to do. And I was upset. And I was angry. You know who I was angry at? God, God, why would you allow this to happen? And if you know my grandpa, he cannot do anything without my grandma. So hopefully grandpa's not watching tonight. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he is. <laughs> so he, we, we, we walk out of the house and he'd be like, Sharon, where's my keys? Okay, uh, Sharon, where's my phone? Sharon, where's my shoes? Sharon, where's my pants? I mean, like, it was, it's bad. Okay, like, he could not find any glasses. He could not find anything. And in my mind, I was like, he can't live without her. Why would God allow this to happen? Why would God allow them to go through this? My grandpa needs my grandma. <laughs> After they decided they were going to let her go, uh, they said, my grandpa calls uh, calls me and my brother and a bunch of people in the area. He says, hey, I want you to come over to the hotel or to the hospital. I said, okay. He said, yeah, I'm getting a bunch of people together. Come over to the hospital. I get there, and he starts passing out song sheets. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is weird. And they, they sat down, and together they chose their favorite hymns, all about praising God and glorifying God. And we sat in that hotel room, and there was about 40 of us. I have no idea how, this was before COVID, I guess. But I don't know how they allowed this, but we all sat in there. We stood. Everybody, I mean, we were like sardines in there, and we were all singing hymns. And they realized, listen, through this, God's still going to get the glory. There are problems in life, 
But if in my, and they decided, hey, even though there's problems in my life, God's still going to get the glory. My grandpa led three nurses to the Lord. He used this for God's glory. And my angry self, I'm coming in singing, <laughs> I can't believe God's doing this. And my grandpa, the one who's really suffering, is saying, hey, God's in control. God knows what's happening. And it's going to be for his glory. The next few months, it was, it was amazing. The, the, the first thing we did, she, she could not walk. She could barely keep her head. She said, I want to go do with her nuts. We put her in a wheelchair. Me and my brother, we were the oldest, so we took turns wheeling the chair, and we'd hold her head up with our thumb. We'd just take her around. And the whole time, talking about how great God is, you know, it's just so wonderful that God gave her the opportunity to go to the zoo again with her grandkids. And I mind, what? what? God could have prevented you from getting this tumor. Months, I, I think she lived for three months after they found out, and every day, praise the Lord, they, she, she got people to make signs, uh, and, and they, we took her home, and she had all these signs up about how good God was, how we should always say yes to God. And at that moment, I realized, you know what? God's using this for his glory. And here, okay, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. A lot of the times in our lives, we consider our lives to be our own. And it's not. Was it 1 Corinthians 6.20? It says, for we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify your God. Um, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God. What he allows to, ha to happen in our lives is up to him. He's in control. He knows all. And we as Christians can take it and cause it to be for his pleasure and for his glory. Or we can, we can make God look bad. Really. My grandparents could have taken a very different approach. But they chose, hey, God's going to get the glory. Hey, problems are here. And you know what? God can do what he wants. He's in control. He knows what's best. Let's keep going, okay? I, I, and you say, where are you going with this? I really think this verse builds on it, which is so. Okay, so in the next verse, it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And let, let's keep going. It says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. As Christians, and remember, in this passage, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi about how to live as a Christian, and he says, listen, we are supposed to be lights in a crooked and perverse nation. 
I mean, I think, I think we can all agree that we are living in a crooked and perverse nation. It's pretty messed up. It's a lot of problems. And God says here, but you know, in the midst of all that, we as Christians are supposed to shine as lights. We are supposed to live Christ-like. I teach junior church a lot. We have a lot of junior church kids in here. Okay, so if you guys weren't listening, you better start listening now. I'm about to ask you some questions. Okay, so if we are supposed to live Christ-like, Jackson, what is a way we can live, be more like Christ? What are responsibility of a Christian? What do you think? Give me one. Have a good attitude when you're passing out tracks? That would, that would help you shine as a light, yes or no? Definitely. I like that answer. You're almost stealing my message, but hey. <laughs> Trip, what do you think? Tell people about God. We're supposed to shine his lights, telling people about God. Is that a good answer? Yeah. Yes, it is. Good job. Okay, Veronica, I'm picking on you now. What do you think? To love? Should we love others? Yes. yes. They're not giving me the answers I thought that they were going to be, but hey, they're still good. <laughs> Sammy, what do you think? Yep, that's a good one. Macy? Forgiving other people. Man, these kids are too smart. Oh. How about some of the basic ones? What do you guys think? Some of the most common, what, what would they be? Adults, you can answer too. Read your Bible. What's another one? Pray every day. Now we got them. Okay. <laughs> do we, should we do those things to shine as lights? Yes or no? Absolutely. Okay, but here in this passage tonight, it's not talking about those things. In this passage tonight, it is very clear what it's talking about. If we, as Christians, are going to shine as lights, if we are going to allow Christ to work his way out of us, if we are going to allow everything to be for his glory, for his pleasure, this is what we are supposed to do. This is a no-no. Okay? Do all things without murmurings and disputings. If Christ is going to be seen in us in a crooked and a perverse nation, which it is, as Christians, we are supposed to do all things without murmurings and disputings. And honestly, I have a hard time with that. It's hard. When, when I think of murmuring, you know, I, I looked it up. It's, it's like grumbling. But I almost think of it like, ah. <sighs> Oh, I got to do that. As Christians, if we are going to shine as lights and live a Christ-like life, if Christ is going to be working his way out of us, we cannot murmur and we cannot dispute. I have a friend from college who every day he posts something on Facebook just to get somebody going. Just to egg them the wrong way. Anybody know anybody like that? And then you got like this mile-long discussion. You're an idiot. I hate you. It, it gets there. 
Because why? Because they're disputing over things that, honestly, normally, they don't matter. Okay? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember any of them that he wrote. I have to stop following him because it drives me crazy. It's like, dude. And then the people who comment, I'm like, stop. You know? You know he's just doing it to get you. But what? I'm just saying right now, those people have friends on Facebook who are not saved. And that's what an example of a Christian is going to be? Yeah, they're going to yell at each other, tell them they hate each other, argue about the dumbest things. And that's what they're seeing as an example, as the light of a Christian. My wife, my wife for a while was, she's like, oh no, you're going to tell them a story about me. It's not about my promise. For a while, she was on, uh, she was on a more Facebook page, right? What's up more? That's what it's called. And, oh my soul. I don't know if anybody's on there, but. I, I told her eventually, I was like, can you stop? Because she would just, she would sit there and read them and laugh and be like, these people are idiots. <laughs> but it started driving me crazy because she enjoyed it so much, I didn't get any of her attention. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. No, but for real, these people on there are, are writing these dumb things. But like as Christians, in this, in this passage, Paul, who is in prison, is saying, listen, let your light shine. And he said, you know what? The way you do that is stop complaining. Stop arguing about everything. I like to complain. When it's hot outside, I hate it. I just complain. Man, see, uh. <laughs> Maybe we should have a little invitation for me. And then we can keep going. But as Christians, you know, and, and the thing is, we not only complain about just life. A lot of times as Christians, we complain about doing things for Christ. I'm telling you right now, doing it to other Christians is still wrong. You, when we come to church, it's our job to encourage one another, lift one another up, not to complain about everything. But, but when you do it to non-Christians, yeah, I got, I got to go to church tomorrow. I'm sorry. I wish I didn't have to. You should be excited to go to church. There should never be a complaint about going to church. Yeah, we got this stupid youth rally, and I signed up for it. I don't know why I did. The guy is working me like a dog. What do you, who does he think I am? Which I'm sorry, I probably will. Miss Rebecca says 100% he will, okay? What happens is we start complaining, we start murmuring, we start grumbling. Ugh. about what we're supposed to do for Christ. 
How is Christ supposed to be seen in this? Why would anyone want to be a Christian? Who wants to be a part of that? The Christians they know just complain about everything. You know what? As, as Christians, we're not supposed to complain. We're not supposed to dispute which there, um, I think there's a, there's a little more into that. But but there, you know what? Don't don't just argue and things like that with others. Just argue. I'm I'm going to say here there are some things that are worth arguing over. Okay, that's not what the Bible's talking about here. Okay, but. Why would anyone want to be a part of your church? Why would anybody want to be a part of the family of God if all you can do is argue with one another? Well, that's not the way I like to do it. You know what? During youth rally, I do a lot of things, and I do things the way a lot of people don't like it. Truth is, if I did it this way, this half of the room would love it. And this half of the room would hate it. And if I did it this way, this half of the room would be like, yes. And this half of the room would be like, Blake, what are you doing? You're an idiot. But why? Because naturally, as human beings, we like to complain. We like to find the problems in everything. And Christ here says, listen, if you're going to murmur and you're going to complain, Christ, Paul says here, Christ is not going to be seen in you. And it goes to the last verse. Okay? Last verse. We're not doing terrible on time. Okay? Holding forth the word of life, that I rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. I know in the state of Oklahoma, everybody loves football. I don't. Uh, I tell everybody I watch football once a year. Actually, now twice a year. I'll give you that. Because I do, I, I, I enjoy watching the Bedlam game. Okay, because why? Because if I don't, then everybody's like, why didn't you? Did you see what happened? He ran all, and I'm like, what? And I feel left out, so I have to watch it. <laughs> the other time I watch football is during the Super Bowl. Same reason. I don't want everybody to come and be like, dude, you see what happened? I'm like, no. What happened? Dude, it's a, and I'm like, what? I missed it. I don't care. <laughs> but now I feel bad. Everybody in Oklahoma loves football. I'm sorry. If you want a real sport, watch basketball, okay? <laughs> Takes a little finesse, skill, rather than a bunch of guys on the, I'm preaching right now, Cooper, okay? <laughs> It's a bunch of guys on the field who one guy is a big guy, so he gets to play. Another guy can run a little bit, so he gets to play. One guy can throw a little bit. He can't run. He can't block. can't tackle, but he can throw. He can do one thing. Basketball, you got to do it all. You got to be able to throw. You got to be able to run. You got to be able to handle the ball. If you want a real sport, watch basketball. Okay, now let's set that aside. Let's get back to the sermon. Okay. Well, growing up, I did not play a lot of football. Okay, I, I grew up in Cambodia, and people, when I say football, they'd be like, football, yeah, football. Yeah, let's play soccer. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 football. We tried to teach the, the Cambodian kids how to play football one time, and we were playing two-hand touch. And by the way, I lived in the city, so it was all concrete. My brother came up. This is the first play. Two-hand touch, sent me to the floor, hit my head, got a concussion, locked out. And I was like, okay, never again. Football is over. Well, I, I came to the States one year, and, and we came back to the States for a whole year. We'd stay on the mission field for four years, come back for a year so we could go to school. And when we were at the school, our coach wanted us wanted to teach everyone how to play football the right way. So he got flags, and he got his whistle, and he was reffing. And, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I knew you get the ball and you run. So quarterback gets the ball, gets it. He pitches it over to me. I get the football. I run. And we're like way, I don't, I don't even know what you call it. We were way back. Okay. I ran a long ways. I did a little juke. I was feeling good. I was young. I could run back then. Okay. And I, I, I spin moves. I got all the way there. I was like, on TV, they throw it on the floor. I threw it on the floor. I celebrated. I was like, I am all that. I'm so good. <laughs> then everybody's like, hey, buddy, uh, ref threw a, threw a flag. A flag? What does that mean? <laughs> well, that means this. That means everything you just did doesn't matter. <laughs> Once again, play basketball, okay? You don't have to put any effort in that won't matter because the ref calls it right away. Whoop, stop, okay? I don't have to do play any more effort now. I'll drop the ball, I'll go back. No, I did all that work, and all my friends are like, dude, you think you were that great? The reason you made it all that way is because everybody stopped playing. They saw the flag. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, okay. And I realized nothing I just did counted. In this last phrase here, it says this, okay? Let's go back to it. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So in context of what everything we just read, understand this. <laughs> when you get to heaven someday, I hope not to look back and realize there was a flag on the field. I hope to not look back and say, man, everything I did, I did it with a grumbling and disputing attitude, so it doesn't count. But that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, all that you're doing for Christ, good job. But if you're doing it with a grumbling and disputing attitude, when you get to heaven... There's a flag on the field. It does not matter. So two things here. Man, we are supposed to shine as lights as Christians. We are supposed to be a, a light in the dark. And how can we do that with a complaining, with a murmuring, with a disputing spirit? But also, if that's not reason enough for you, Lose the murmuring and lose the disputing because you don't want to get to heaven and say, there's a flag on the field. Too bad, so sad.
all that you did doesn't count. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as Christians, Lord, to understand that you are supposed to work your way out of us, Lord. Lord, that the Holy Spirit is supposed to come and indwell us and take over our actions, our spirit, and what we do for you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand that all those things that we do should not be done through murmuring and disputings. Lord, I pray that you'd, Lord, I know, I know this is something that, Lord, you needed to talk to me about, Lord, but I pray that you'd use this in someone's life tonight, Lord. Lord, if, if they have that spirit, Lord, I pray you'd change that so that when they get to heaven someday, they don't say, hmm, it was all in vain. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray you'd help us to examine our lives. Lord, I pray you'd help us to live for you as we're supposed to. When Ms. Pat's going to play, I know, I know it's getting late, but let's just take a moment and let's just sit where we're at and pray and let's just ask God, Lord, if we have a murmuring, a disputing spirit, Lord, take it away from me. Don't allow me to get to heaven and say, hmm, everything I did for you, hmm, too much complaining, didn't count. Lord, I pray you'd help us to deal with that.